Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey, welcome everyone to the Baseball America podcast. Along with J.J. Cooper and Kyle Glazer, I'm John Manuel. I want to thank you for tuning in today on all of our podcasts and our Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com, that's Baseballism.com, and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off of your Baseballism order. So... I uh, thank Baseballism again for sponsoring the podcast. I saw some Baseballism gear while I was out in Arizona, which was cool. Well, that's what we have. Uh, we, we, we did not podcast last week. We welcomed back JJ and Kyle to the fold. Uh, both of you guys were out on assignment. It's always fun to say that. And two pretty fun assignments. Spring training backfields for JJ and World Baseball Classic for Kyle. And we wanted to, you know, start with the classic. And, you know, we want to look back, but we're also going to look ahead but the look back is important, even if it's a few days, uh, almost a week old, Kyle, just because it was such, so, so significant. And it just it feels like, I think for me and JJ, it's like finally the rest of you guys paid attention to what we wrote about ad nauseum in 06 and 09 and 2013. The rest of America, really, something like the baseball world anyway, paid attention to this World Baseball Classic, Kyle, with the United States it, having would, its success. You know, I would say the baseball world paid attention. I think even the casual baseball world did, which is really so key because you're always going to have your hardcore mm-hmm. fans that want to pay attention. But getting the casual fan, the, you know, mom and dad who go to, you know, maybe five, six games a year in their local city or, you know, they care, there's some interest, but they're not living and dying with every, you know, prospect manual or, you know, option, you know, news about a player being moved up or down. And I think for them to get that group of fan is so key moving forward. And they did. You know, I I was saying to you guys earlier, I think the lasting effect of the 2017 WBC is the narrative that, oh, people, Americans don't care. American players, American fans don't care. That is dead. That narrative no longer is accurate. And I think we saw that with the numbers, the passion, whether you, you want to measure with the tangibles, merchandise sales, TV ratings, attendance, to the energy from U.S. Right. fans and U.S. players, that narrative no longer holds. And I think that's going to be the lasting impression of this. And I think that was true even if the U.S. lost in that title game to Puerto Rico, seeing what the U.S. fans showed up and how loud they were in San Diego, seeing what it was like yeah, in the semifinal for that, Japan. That semifinal U.S. game was 25,000 fans, right? No, that okay. was 42,003. 42, yeah, 42, it was a sellout in San Diego. Or, oh, I'm sorry, the semifinal game. The semifinal did not sell out. It was 25,000. No, the 32. US, the U.S. Japan so, game? Yeah, 32. Yeah. It was It was the rainstorm in L.A. at 6 o'clock and on a Tuesday. That's what you got to remember. And so when people were saying, oh, Miami drew so much better, you got to remember that was a Thursday through Sunday series. The first two games in San Diego, everyone was hating on. It's Tuesday, Wednesday at 6. No one goes to those games. Once you got into the Friday, Saturday, they compared very well to what right. happened in Miami. And then with the WBC in L.A., the fact you had 51,000 on a Tuesday – 30,000 plus on a, uh, sorry, 51,000 on a Wednesday, 30,000 plus on a Monday and Tuesday, you're not going to do much better than that in any city in America, well, and especially on a, especially for 6 p.m. start local. And they're going to, as much as the uh, the atmosphere in Miami was awesome, the reality of it is is that this is a world event playing it in, on the West Coast. I know there were some complaints about, on the West Coast, about it, you know, the time, time of day for Eastern Coast, but... You're trying to play it so also the time of day for Japan and all. Right. It's a well. big world. And, and especially with Los world. Angeles having such a huge Japanese-American population, that's why Los Angeles makes the perfect sense because you get that that perfect mix. San Fran, also where they've done before, works pretty well too. Because L.A. works but better. But L.A. works though. better though. Yeah, yeah I thought L.A. works better. But, I mean, like, they both, L.A.'s hosted the finals, what now, three times? Uh, yeah, two and times. you have so that mix. First year was San Diego. 
Right. 2006 from, was San Diego. 2009 was LA, or is it? Or uh, 2009. No, you're right. 2009 was LA. 13 was San Francisco, and now was also. So, it's so LA, LA twice. to me, LA has been the best host, and I think that's because it's got a really significant Japanese and Korean populations, and the Korean actually population is a big difference between the, L, the Southland Very much and so. the Bay Area. Very that's much. It's a huge so. differentiator. And there's just something about Dodger Stadium. I love AT&T Park or whatever it's called now. What is it now in San Francisco? It's AT&T. still AT&T. Okay. It went from Pac Bell to SBC yeah. to AT&T. I've been, I've been to it when it was Pac Bell in 2000. I've been to it for the Classic in 2013. I love that ballpark. Oh, it's gorgeous. But just something about Dodger Stadium. Though now it's historic. You know, now they really just call it historic Dodger Stadium. It's so old. It's what the third oldest stadium in the big leagues. It's fifty plus years. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's only it's only Fenway Park. Park and Wrigley Field. So, but, like, ideally, you would love to have um, the World <laughs> Baseball Classic sometime played in Wrigley Field. It'd be awesome to have it in Wrigley Field, or it'd be awesome to have it in Fenway Park, but not in March in Boston <laughs> or Chicago. You can't do that. I mean, like, what I wonder about is, and I, and I have the numbers in front of me, like the, uh, the 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 MLB Network had its three most viewed non postseason games ever. The uh, viewership was really high there. Viewership was fantastic on the ESPN2 and the Spanish language broadcast um, internationally. But what I wonder is, can they ever? Can the classic ever have the finals if it's in its current incarnation of its current format of having it in the championship being in March? So we'll just go for that conceit going forward. Could it ever happen where they have the classic semifinals and finals in Asia? Could that ever happen, guys? Do you think that'll ever happen? Did they ever have them in Tokyo? JJ says no. I think I think they'd be hesitant to. I, I never say never. I think it'd be great because we see the passion of what goes on in Tokyo. Um, at the same time, this is as much as we talk about as an international event. Right. Major League Baseball is still a United States based business. Yep. Where the United States does them, they do most of their their revenue. Right. So and for and me, MLB and the union are the two biggest partners who run World Baseball Classic. Yeah, I, I don't I don't see them being saying okay we're gonna you know ship the U S players out the Puerto Rico players out and the Vene- right. and the and the Dominican players out across the Pacific right. for two days. A week before the season, I, I don't see I th- that either. I, I so. think that that would be a deal breaker. You're, you're, you're going to be talking. It's going to be something where we have you know Mach six airliners that can get you back in you know a few hours or something like that. Yeah. And that's so far away that yeah, I, I don't. I just don't think you're going to see it. And the reality of it is, is that as much as this event is big in Asia, you are then talking about a situation where if there, if Japan somehow doesn't make it that time, you you have less. Like we saw, I mean, I don't blame them. I think the fans in Japan did a great job at the WBC again. But when you have Israel versus the Netherlands, right. it's not drawing over there. Right. It's it played. was empty. It was it's basically an exhibition empty. game. And it was also during the middle of the day yeah. in Tokyo. Not wisely, they played. Not they weren't dumb. They played the Japanese games at night, right. at seven Absolutely. p.m. local time. So I think I think it was overall though. I mean, I think we can all agree. It was a huge step forward. And and for me, what's important is the WBC, it keeps growing. It's on the upward trend. All these records it broke were ones that were set in 2013. So we're right. seeing well, each incarnation, it's getting one, bigger and better. But one thing about that is is that they they should. They play with the numbers to fit what they I'm I'm not being wet blanket guy, but yeah, the ratings right. are the ratings are worse than they were because they're on MLB Network. They're comparing them to MLB Network ratings right. because biggest, there's a lot less coverage than when they were ratings, on ESPN. Their biggest ratings were the year they were all on ESPN, which was what, 06 or was it 09? I forget which one it was. But at the same time, fewer people watch ESPN now. So those those ratings that they had that year are almost like they'll never those get are, those. Those are encased in amber. In they are. They'll, never, they'll almost never get those with 40% of ESPN subscribers have unplugged, something like that. So, Not I mean, 40, but yeah, a lot, a lot. Right, it's a lot. And the other, the other uh, aspect of the classic that did well beyond that was you could, I mean, we all are plugged in social media-wise on baseball, but it was trending. It was a big deal on social media during these games. And the streaming platforms were up significantly. That's where MLB is very well placed to stream games. Hey, the NCAA calls Major League Baseball Advanced Media and says, hey, can we stream our basketball tournament on your stuff again, please? It works very well. So the future medium, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the new media is where Major League Baseball is in very good shape. And that, I think, really helps the classic. I know, you know, one of the things that people in the industry hate is when you travel, when you go to hotels, and they don't have the network. Mm-hmm. And I was having, dealing with it last week. Having done this for MLB Network, where like I've gone in to do the AAA All Star Game, and the local hotel where they put us up in in Omaha 
did not have the network. You know, they had it. They'll have it for that week when the network is in town. That's happened when I've been in the fall league. That's happened when I've been for AAA All-Star game. That happened, uh, I forget where else I traveled for the network. I know it happened with the Futures game this year in San Diego. Their hotel headquarters did not have the network when they first checked in. That's where you get over this. The reach of the network being somewhat limited is with the social, with the, with the digital and streaming platforms but that MLB is so good at. The thing I wanted to go back to is, is I agree with your point about if the U.S. had not won, it still would have been a, a big event. You know, like it would have been a, a step forward for the WBC. From a U.S. standpoint, though, this is huge. this is huge because huge. no matter what happens in 21 or 25 now, they're no longer there. There will it's a long it's going to be a long time from now before you say again the U.S. has not stepped up. I mean, John, you've covered the breadth of international baseball for a long time now. Yes, I have. And I was I was actually because I got ended up on a plane flying back with a lot of USA baseball people, and we were talking about it. It's like, is this the biggest win in USA baseball history? I'd still say second, but I, I still would just because the Olympics two thousand you know, two thousand are just it was. I mean, and, and Cuba was Cuba. That's the difference. Is they beat Cuba as Cuba. I mean, like beating Puerto Rico, that Puerto Rican team was great. I think it would have been different for the U.S. Honestly, if they'd beaten the Dominican in the finals. That would have been a little bit different just because you look at the number of big leaguers from the Dominican. Uh, I mean, I'm not knocking Puerto Rico at all. Mm -hmm. Puerto Rico earned being there. But Puerto Rico's weakness was pitching coming into the tournament, their depth of pitching. And they started Seth Lugo in the championship game. Who actually had a great WBC. He did, but he's still Seth Lugo. You know, like we complain about how the U.S., oh, I wish we had Kershaw or Bumgarner for this. Puerto Rico, like, wishes they had who? Javier Vasquez? I mean, like, that's the best Puerto Rican pitcher the they, last they 20 got years. The, they got their guys. They got their guys. That's they what I'm saying. Own, and those are Lugo, their guys. Arios. So Arios. for the next classic, Puerto Rico's even set up even better, with the exception of will Yadi Molina still be Yadi Molina? I never will bet against Yadi Molina. That guy's incredible. But I'm just saying, like, so Puerto Rico, very young team and very iffy pitching. Like, the Dominican and Japan. In my mind, even Venezuela, more complete rosters up and down um, for me. That's fair. And so if the United States had gone and beaten either the Dominican or Japan, which had won the first three classes. And, and the U.S. can say, we did. We just did it earlier. Right. But in the finals, I mean, I just, but, but, that's, but you're right. But, but beating Cuba for gold, there's something special about that, beating Cuba for gold when Cuba was Cuba. Well, regardless, you know, I think, obviously, yeah, that's a very valid debate, you know, one or two. Yeah. We're still talking about one of the greatest. And that's it. And that's, and that's huge. This was a wonderful moment in yeah. USA baseball history. Of the ones that people pay attention to. Again, that's, that's the problem is that the U.S. has beaten Cuba other times that people didn't pay attention to. For me, like, 2006 Olympic qualifier going to Havana, and Kevin Slowey pitched the first five innings of that game, I believe, and Michael Bourne had the game-winning hit. No one knows about that team. I mean, I wrote the hell out of that summer, that fall when it happened, but no one remembers that. But that was within the halls of USA Baseball. That was like, we qualified for the Olympics and we beat the Cubans in Havana. And they were still kind and of people, the Cubans. Because there's people who don't remember, like qualifying for the Olympics was important because it had failed to do yes, so for exactly. the previous Olympics. Exactly. And, and so, that's, where, and that's yeah. where I think some of it also is the difference between being on a championship stage where you're on a national yeah. television network, even when MLB network is not everywhere as it is, yeah. you know, as you'd like it to be. Now, now, and that's the thing. People, many more people paid attention to this than they paid attention to Ben Sheets in 2000. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so I mentioned, I touched on um, kind of the future of the classic format. Now, having covered one, Kyle, like just been in the thick of it, what was was there any sense around it? Like, oh, this is what it's going to be forever. I mean, do you think there's going to be like? Because Buster Olney wrote, I, I thought it was one of the most hot takey Buster Olney columns I've ever written. I don't think of Buster in hot takes, and I, I really respect Buster significantly. But he wrote like they should either go all in or get rid of the classic, and I think he's all in meant like having uh, splitting it up so you get the semifinals and finals during the All Star break. And he talked about having it every year. I don't know if you read Buster's piece, but I missed uh, it. I mean, uh, you should go back and read it for sure. Here's the thing: it's it's kept growing in its current format. They're not going to tear it all up and yeah. try and do something way different. It'd be one thing if everything this year had been stagnant or lower than years past. But when you have increases across the board, every metric you care about, you're right. not then gonna 
do something wild and crazy. I really do strongly believe we will see the classic as we saw in 2017 exactly the same way as we see it in 2021. With the, you know, you could say maybe with the fact the Olympics are there, maybe some of the player you know selection will be a little different. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But I think that's the limit of it. We're not going to see different times. We're not going to see different dates. We're not going to see different formatting. I think we're going to see it as is until it starts plateauing. Because at the end of the day, you're not going to ruin mess with something that's growing. It's just a basic business principle. Well, the, the thing with this is also is, is they checked off the box again. When they founded the WBC, one of the big ideas was grow the game internationally. I don't know what Israel is going to do, the Israeli Baseball Federation is going to do with the big check that will arrive for how well Team Israel did. But I can tell you this, there's going to be more baseball fields in Israel in 2021 than there is now. And, and the Netherlands making it to the, the Netherlands, second time. The Netherlands, else. if the Netherlands keeps this up, at some point, all of honkball will be playing <laughs> in top-notch stadiums because... Well, what you wonder about is, you know, having talked with the Dutch, um, you know... They're building this stadium in Amsterdam. It it's might built. already be done. It's built. The intention when they built it was to bring an American, yes. a major league team, not permanently the Netherlands, right, but for an, an exhibition game. That apparently is not going to happen. It's going to go to London. Uh, the MLB has shifted. Like we're going to go to London for a major league series. If we're, we're going to have an opening series in Chihuahua, Mexico, or we can have one in Sydney, Australia. They could do that elsewhere, and if they were, but and so the idea was going to Europe and going to the Netherlands. Who they, they built their stadium anymore. literally with the idea, like they spent extra to have right. things for major MLB, league, major league caliber, major league caliber lighting, major league caliber infield, and according to the Dutch, it's not going to happen. They fully That's expect they expect fully expect a year, uh, an American a major league uh, season opening series to go to London. Of course, the problem is London in in, um, March. in March. Yeah, it's gonna be cold. Or early April, and right? Do they have the baseball facilities? I mean, well, I mean, they have the, the pitch. They have all these soccer pitches that basically, I'm not an EPL but, expert. But I'll go back to that. This is what they proved last year with the Fort Benning game, which is give no, us Fort Benning, Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Georgia. Fort Bragg, the Fort Bragg game, which was give us six months head start, and we can play. Pretty much wherever you want to play, and that's really what it comes down. If you give Correct. us an area, we can build you a temporary stadium because that literally they started with nothing. They ended up with a major league caliber stadium, and then when the game was over, they ended up with okay. Now we take apart our major league caliber stadium. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what they. Can the do. crazy thing to me is uh, this Wikipedia page that says <laughs> the largest covered stadium in England is in Cardiff, Wales, Millennium Stadium. And all the rest of the dome stadiums on here are not uh, in, are in the United States or Germany. So England doesn't seem like it has too many available. They domes don't. Well, for they, that. you don't. I don't. I don't think you. You know, you play soccer in uh, in snow some. So <laughs> or the rain or whatever. But I guess. I, but, I, but I do think going back to the point we're talking about growing the international game, it's succeeded. It's it's succeeding. It has succeeded, and by all accounts, it's going to continue to succeed because the format. Is working, and that's where I think sometimes you know talking to other people around the only people that were pitching this. Oh, what if we did this? Were other writers? It wasn't. It wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't the actual decision. It wasn't the commissioner. It wasn't Mm -hmm. the players union folks talking to the players, the management, the people who actually are in charge of making this decision. Everyone's like, "No, I love this. This was incredible. This was perfect." To me, the best argument for keeping it the way it is is that it's way better than spring training. That's the that's the best argument for me. Um, is that it's much more entertaining baseball in March. And it does grab more attention and more eyeballs to baseball in March than baseball would otherwise. No question. Um, you know, as I, I, I miss it. I, I literally this week miss it that it's not around anymore. There's no question. I miss it too. And uh, as a college basketball fan whose voice is hoarse from college basketball, one of the hard things to acknowledge about being a college basketball fan is that college basketball is diminished in the culture. It only matters at the tournament time. And the rest of the okay, so March is kind of when it matters, but it, all those games are on the weekend, and the classic fills those gaps. And, and there's that, nothing and, else and, going and on that's in the March. discussion. Again, again, the only people talking about this were other writers. Like, well, why do you want to compete head to head with March Madness? You're not. There are certain nights you are, but you're there's not. but there but for the most part, you're not. And I think that that's where Major League Baseball has done something nice here, where your pre NFL draft 
NBA and NHL, the seasons are pretty much decided, and, and they don't compete with Major League Baseball. Major is, League Baseball is on a level on its own and compared the NBA, to those two. The NBA talk this month is either um, a ridiculous MVP discussion of or a sport the re- really nobody the resting remembers. player controversy, and that's it. And it's all negative. It's resting players and this kind of thing. It's there's no there's no positive storylines, and they've tried to gin up rivalries of the NBA and all this kind of stuff. Nobody, the NBA, the NBA cares. The, the NBA is a sport that basically is just a this really long exhibition season to get you to the games that matter. Well, the thing is, though, that those exhibitions are incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, not... the NBA's product is at an extremely high level. I'm not going to knock. I'm not knocking the NBA. I'm just saying it doesn't own March, where the classic has found a niche. I think that March is a good time of year. I still think you could do the the classic and whittle it down to four, and then take the four to the All Star break, and that would make a good tournament better. So for me. Doing those first two rounds a little bit later in spring, and also the travel for the uh, uh, Pacific, uh, for the Asian nations, maybe be a little bit. They wouldn't need uh, it. They wouldn't need it. That's what I'm saying. It would be a little bit. It would even. They would, stay, up. they would stay in Asia. The logistical problem is every four years, Japan and the KBO, the MPB and the KBO would have to sync up their All Star breaks basically with the United States well, one. And that the, not only that, but the technically the CPBL, which right now can even get like all of their teams to agree about whether they're allowing their players to participate. Like, yeah, I'm not CBBL, worried about Taiwan. Yeah. I'm really not. I'm really not worried about Taiwan. When you when you don't have to qualify for back to back classics, come talk to me. But but again, I, I do think that all this discussion we're having it's at the fan, writer, pundit level. It's not the level where decisions are actually being no, made. I they're, disagree. Well, what they were talking you, about is... But what I'm saying, though, is, is that... After this. Before this, it was. But after I was the say, success... I don't think that changes it much. I really don't. Like, they're looking at this every time as, what is the best event we can do? And they have at least talked about, before this event ever happened this time, Right. would this be better... Doing what you just talked about. I just think the strike you strike while the iron is hot. You don't wait for it to go down. I mean, like I mean, I'm no economist, but don't they always talk about growth? I mean, like three, when you have two percent growth in your economy, are you trying to get to three percent? If your profits are growing by ten percent, are you trying to get to fifteen percent? So they grew the classic now by let's just I'm gonna say by like X percent. 20, 20, 25, 30, depending on your metric. Don't you don't, don't they get greedy? Isn't that what capitalists do? But you get greedy and you go, twenty five percent screwed, I don't want forty. I don't know if it's even greedy. I do think that they have to really look at this and say, could we have a better event? Yeah. Can we have a better event if this is part of All Star Week? Every or every is All Star Week every four years. And that's what to me. And they, they have to again. It may not be. They may decide no. They may find because there's so many logistical things that, that have to, to happen. But that totally opens up the whole thing of oh, we want World Baseball Classic in Boston in July. You can do that. You can do World Baseball Classic in Chicago in July. You can do it anywhere in July in the United States. You can do it anywhere. But the you, concern you go to is, Seattle. But the concern is you have these great semifinal games. Then you shut it off for, for no, three and a half months. You're going to lose. No, no, so I'm, I'm at the yeah, first, first round, second rounds. round. You know, you've got all this momentum going, and then you just shut it down. And four months, I think four months now, people are going to care less. They're going to say, That's oh, possible. yeah, that thing, that thing four months but ago. But at the same time, if you want to talk about when they talk about who, what players can we get, if you said the guys, I mean, the gets for the first and second round are going to be the same thing. Yeah. But if you talk about, again, insurance is an issue here, but if you talk right. about... If you said, like, we saw Kenley Jansen basically said, hey, now that you're here, I'm in. Right. Nine if you pitches. said during the yeah, the, the game, basically. I, I love that he picked up the bullpen photos. I'm pretty, pretty pleased that Andrew Freeman was like, no. <laughs> How do you say no in Dutch? No. But at the same time, um, you look at it and you say, if you are saying the, the entire ask is, I want you, like, as a starting pitcher, I want you to make a start. During this one week, we're right. going to throw, you know, where you're completely stretched and out. And if a dude at that point says, oh, I was going fishing that week, you're like, well, yeah, we don't want you anyway. You know, because that's the difference. And that is the difference. Both Israel and Team USA, I haven't talked to the Israeli team a little bit about this. It's not that their focus was, and what all the teams have figured out is, who wants to be here? Right. Okay, then we're going to take the best of those of you who want to be here. Right. And that's the best approach, it feels like. And I, and I just thought that the, you know, the U.S. was supposed to kind of be down on its pitching because they didn't get their best pitchers. 
the United States pitching was incredible in this whole class. Two point two five ERA. I mean, it was and it was dominant at times. Whether it wasn't just Stroman, no, Duffy which, Smiley was Smiley amazing. Was, his one start. Yeah, and Chris Archer was fantastic. Yeah. I, I still wish that. But he even didn't to take it to, to Puerto Rico, Jose Barrios essentially didn't make the Twins opening day roster in part because right. he went to the WBC, and his answer was absolutely entirely worth it. Yeah, and he didn't even say like I, I like dinosaur barbecue in Rochester. Send me back. You know? So, so here's, so here's, so here's the question. I think we're different. Let's 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 put this on the bet board and and mark it down for fortune. I believe strongly that the 2021 WBC the will format. be played exactly the same format as it is now. Agree or disagree? I disagree. I believe they will try to strike while the iron is hot to grow their to grow their product and to expand it. And the only uh, I will I will. Okay, sorry. I was going to say the only thing that would stand in their way, I think they're going to want to do that, and what will stand in their way is their sponsors. Does MasterCard or – is it MasterCard? But, but, but what like, will, it be, will the finals of the 2021 WBC I think they'll be, be during the world – I think they'll be the, the finals and the semifinals will be played during All-Star Week. JJ? I'll split the middle, which is that they will try to do that, but logistically it will prove to be impossible to do it for 2021 because, as you said, you have to get the, – the crazy part about that is, is – it is not a problem for the U.S. to say we are designing our schedule for that week. Yeah. The worst part is Japan's always made it that far. But how crazy is it if the MPB has to shut down their schedule for a week and let's say Japan doesn't make it? Right. Because the problem logistically you have is... They'll pretty, they pretty much rigged it this year that they would have been impossible for them not to make <laughs> right. it this year. Seriously. But, but it is the pro like how bad or Korea like yeah. we have to arrange your schedule and it's like by the way you're just not playing for this week. Here's a giant pile of money. Don't play this week. You're so not you gonna play this week, this, in, 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 right? On this, but you're not gonna and you're not doing anything. That is the problem. That's the, tough. The biggest logistical problem is is that if you play it in March and then you go to the All Star, is that the U.S. knows that. Between the Dominican team and the Puerto Rican team and the U.S. team, there's enough different teams that there will be a significant amount. It's just impossible for it not to be. If you're Korea and you shut down your league for a week and you're not there, that is doubly bad. You shut down your shame. league and it also reminds you, by the way, we're not playing this week That's because true. of our really disappointing team that really just... This is true. The one, uh, two, one, two other things that we'll, and we'll leave the classic... Um, where would you like to see the classic expand by 2021 in terms of playing? Like, do you think they should? Like this year, the pools were Mexico, United States, Japan, Korea mm -hmm. for the first round for pool play. I would love to see 2021 be in Cuba. I don't know if that's possible. Things have opened up a little bit. Obviously, the politics have changed. Um, I, you know, I would imagine. I mean, what if they played in Trump Stadium in Havana in 2021? I mean, crazier things uh, have happened. I, I, and I would also love to see that happen. There's been a World Cup, World Baseball Classic qualifier in Germany. There has not been a WBC round in Europe. 2021 is another opportunity to grow it and have one in Europe, maybe somewhere else in Latin America. You know, it's funny. I, I sort of, one late one night, was playing with this on my phone. They've already been in San Juan before. I think they should go back and have mm. a first round in San Juan. I would redo the pools a little bit. Puerto Rico certainly earned the right, if they want to host again, to capitalize on right. the popularity Put them in here on Bethorn. And then I, I do think, you know, depending on where that Netherlands stadium is in four years, assuming it's, already it's, there. it's, 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 there, it's there and it's, it's maintained it's and it's been yeah. used. I think it'd be really good to have it. Is it Amsterdam, Rotterdam? Where is it? It's, it's uh, in Amsterdam. It's yeah. in Amsterdam. I mean, I, th I think if you put, you know, the Netherlands, Italy, Israel, and, and pick one other, you know, nation in there, you could actually do something interesting. You go to San Juan, you make that Puerto Rico, the Dominican, Venezuela, make it a very Hispanic-oriented pool. I think it would be an incredible atmosphere. You know, you put U.S. and Mexico and yeah. San Diego to start. At a first round, that'd be great. I would, I would kind of have San Diego as a first round site, you know, San Juan, Tokyo, Amsterdam, make Miami a second round site where you can get the yeah, best the of that yeah. U.S. You know, with the Dominican Puerto Rico pool, and leave the other second round site. Maybe it's Tokyo. Maybe you put it in Amsterdam. I would the, just sort the of the rough. You're gonna, you know, you're always gonna be in Tokyo at some point That's to true. me because it's too successful. The MPB has so to they're make not going to pull it. They yeah. have to make money and TV wise, the, that is TV wise you have to have those games played. You got to have some games that are played in the in the prime time in Asia. That's the, important. The, the problem I like your plan, the problem with that I do see is, is if you told me if I have to play in the Netherlands and then I'm picking up and I'm flying to Japan, 
The jet it's lag. Tricky. And then if I succeed there, that's I have to fly hours. to the States. That's a nine-hour time right. zone difference. And that's where I can that's see how having, like, having a soul pool and a Tokyo pool right. works because they're in that same general vicinity. Right. That, the, the one concern is, is like I do think you're going to have more trouble. If I'm a major league team and I look at my, my players who are playing for the Dutch team and I say, wait a second, they're going to be here and then here and then here, I would worry from an injury standpoint like, just the lack of true good rest. And that's fair. Get. But I do I do think if you have San Juan as one of your first-round sites, that would do very well. well. I, I agree. I, I would ask the question of, at some point, shouldn't we see as one of these in the Dominican Republic? That makes too much sense. You're right. We really should. I mean, that, this is what Ben, ben tweeted out and different. But when, uh, when should we? We've had major league games in Puerto Rico. Yeah, why can't we have them in the DM Why run? can't we have a three-game series? If we're talking about having a three-game series Great in take. London— at some point, it's and that's not even about. Let's be honest, it's not about growing the game at that point. The Dominican Republic, they're pretty bought in on the game, <laughs> it's really but it's rewarding. It's reward. It is rewarding yes. a country that deserves to like look. We could you imagine like the teams like whoever teams get to go there. Players, there are going to be many players from other teams like, why are we not going yeah. to get, you know, it is something I, where... I remember, you know, when the Angels and Expos played in San Juan in 04, and I don't remember how well those because series the Expos, did. It's because it's the, the Expos, Expos had nowhere to go. Yes. Yeah. I, just, I just remember, like, some regular season games there, and I yeah. feel like, I mean, I feel they like played, what, 18 cool. that year? or 20, 20 I mean, it was the, like, the that Expos was part played, of their yeah, schedule. The Expos played, I think it was uh, 59 games. In Montreal that year, <laughs> the traveling and expos. So it really, I mean, it was it was pitiful. Um, so yeah, I, I I would love to see the first rounds spread out. And the other thing that makes me want to spread it out was that there were these problems in Mexico. The on-site people in Mexico, uh, they had the problems, security issues. Yadi and Molina and the Puerto Rican players talked about with their families. It doesn't sound like it was a it was a run like a major league event. And that's where part of the profits of this seem like they have to go next time is we're making the players feel like it's major league in every way. And let's face it, the major league standard is very high. Yes. And that's going to be expensive. But if you want to keep having the players have that buy-in, you, know, you can't have players with sour grapes like, uh, like the Mexican but, but the thing about this is I think a lot of that also came back to the other thing, the lesson from this one is, is make your tiebreaker rules very that clear. Was, that was pitiful. And that is... That was really pitiful that that got sideways like that. But that I mean, is that that is. But this is now a hundred million dollar plus event. So you better. So you have right. money. There is money to be spent when it is a hundred million dollar event. And the one other question now before we move on that I'll ask you guys is: It's every four years. Is that good? It I, used to be three. No, it was only three that one time. Well, that one time. But it was, I, 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 get I think so. I mean, same, same as the World Cup, same as the Olympics. I think it's a good, it's a good number. I love every other year. I would love every two years. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I'm greedy, but I think every two years would make sense for me. And that, not now. Like, I don't think you could get it ready no, for you, 2019. Right. But if you went 2021, 2023, 2025, I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, the, I, I love every other the year. The one thing I'll say about it is, is if the Olymp- if baseball is going to be in the Olympics, I know it's not going to be an inferior event. It'll always be. And much to the IOC's dismay, Olympic baseball will always be an inferior event to the WBC. But that makes it, even though it's going to be really backloaded, because the way the schedule goes right now, we're going to, if it stays in the Olympics, it'll be like no international baseball of a premier event, no inter-premier event, and then boom, we have it back-to-back years. But that makes it a little easier for me. Like if we have Olympics and WBC, gotcha. You know, to me, because the Olympics is. It, like it's, it's the U.S. Like Japan treats that very much. I'm, I'm very curious about the future of the Olympics as a genre. I mean, you know, that involves politics too as we go into this uh, uh, different age that we're in. Um, but I mean, like, how much inter- international cooperation is there going to be for an Olympics, and who wants to ho- host this? This the hosting's the issue, but there's too much money issue. there. There's too much money there; it'll ever go away. We'll see. <laughs> we'll it's, see. It's literally billion-dollar television contract. Uh, obviously, no question. But I mean, if people stop caring, I'm just curious what happens. If people, again, if there's a television bubble for Major League Baseball or for other stuff, how big is that bubble for all these corrupt international aristocrats who run the Olympics? I mean, it's pretty bad. So I don't even want to go on the Olympics thing. It's just 2020. I'm happy they're going to have it in Tokyo. 
after that, if you're having 2024 Olympics like in Constantinople, LA or Paris, those are the uh, those are the contenders. I thought I thought, I thought Istanbul was the final. Oh, is it? Is it I can I can okay. remember, but um, Constantinople, you're going back to the Byzantine Empire here. You're damn right, I am. <laughs> um, so it's the Baseball America podcast with JJ, Kyle, and John. JJ went to go see some. Uh, I could probably leave this podcast now and let you guys talk Padres prospects, but. I do think Arizona would be a great future home for a World Baseball Classic because you can have it at Chase Field. Field. Right. I, I've been and, there. And domes are good. I think domes are good for this. I think Seattle will be great they, for this also because well, it's Pacific and domed. I think it would be perfect. But the other thing they did in Arizona, do remember, we played game. they played games at WBC at Salt River Field, which right. is the most Place Major League gorgeous. Baseball caliber non-Major League stadium. In but, the world. But they also stunning. had Chase Field sitting here, and so there was – which never happens in Arizona. They had rain in the forecast. They went, there's rain in the forecast. We're moving to Chase Field. So we only played, there was only, there was supposed to be more at Salt River Field, but there was only a, a little bit at Salt River Field. But you do Salt have River that. Salt River Field's forever. I mean, that is, because that ballpark is insane. It was stunning. It, it didn't get built until after I graduated from ASU, so I didn't get to see it when I was there. And then when I went back this past fall for the first time, I was it's like, ridiculous. dear God. Yeah, that place, it, all it's missing is a second deck. I mean, it really it's is. Awesome. Yeah, it's, but, um, but at the same time, I do think there's something an advantage of not having because there's there's already so much baseball in March in Arizona. There, you're you really are. I mean, you're, that's the difference with Miami, My, South Florida. There's no, now that you have now that Palm, Beach, Palm Beach, you have but, West Palm Beach, but Broward and Dade, especially Dade is the most um, you know international, the most ethnic of those two of those three counties down there. Um, you know, I know I'm going back 30 years to my Boca days, but. It's a it's a haul. I had to take when I took the train to go see the Miami Heat their first year. Yeah. Uh, what was it called? I can't remember what the train was called. Um, but that that train ride was long from West Palm Beach to Miami. Oh yeah. So getting down and that, that's where it's, the, it's a good hour and a half drive. And Marlins Park. That, well, I think it's uh, if I think with traffic, in Florida it's traffic. If it's people, more. If there's if there's no traffic, people fly down there. That's why I drive the way I drive. <laughs> I learned to drive in Florida, but it's it's, it's an hour. Um, so with with no traffic. But it is uh, distinct. There's no Fort Lauderdale or Miami spring training teams. Right. So you aren't competing with spring training when you're in Miami, and you are when you're in Phoenix. That was a long way of getting to that point. Yeah. So. But no, in Phoenix, you don't you, – really what I would say is, is you don't need it there from right. that standpoint of like, right. okay, so I, I can go to the WBC Seattle. or I can go to one of these other yeah, yeah, eight the, to the, ten the, options the thing, I have The today. thing with Seattle – and where you could say it would get tricky, if you will, is I think if you have it in Seattle, you have to have Japan there. But you don't want to leave Tokyo. So it's sort of tricky. I think if you're going to do it in Seattle, you have to have Canada and you have to have Japan. Yeah. I thought you could do like you could even do like a second round where the U.S. isn't even there and have it in Seattle. Yeah, but, but again, I think you have to have one of Japan or the U.S. And, Otherwise, it's going to flop. And the other I think, problem no, I think is you have a Canada and Japan, you're guaranteed. I, no, I, I agree. But, if Japan's there, you're fine. But, but they have to be Canada there. has to qualify now, though. Yeah, and the other part of that is is that while you have a dome, the weather there at that time, I mean, I've talked, I just ran into a lot of <laughs> Northwest Scouts, and they're like, it has just rained every single day. And that's just like, that's Seattle. It was miserable. Uh, we'll talk about it on our college podcast, but it was miserable this weekend in uh, Corvallis for Mike Lanana. And he, he, he wore, you can go on his Twitter feed, at M. Lanana, and see all the video that he shot. And he, he was talking about it, slash complaining about it last night on our uh, Top 25 call about uh, sitting out in the rain and yeah. shooting all his vines. But uh, but you, don't, so you usually don't worry about that in uh, in Arizona for sure. So here's the real question, JJ. Who was the funnest prospect you saw? Not the best. Who was the funnest prospect you saw on the backfields? The, the thing that I will step away, and we'll have video on this up today, uh, should be today. Um, the one I'll step away remembering the most is Adrian Morhone, the Padres lefty who is... He should, should play in the 2021 Classic for for Cuba if they're able to use expats, which hopefully they will. And it was just a couple of innings, but it was an eye-opening couple of innings. Um, you know, Kyle, you wrote him up for the handbook, and, and when you I showed you the video today, and you said, like, it was two innings, but he's already taken a little step because velocity-wise... For those two innings, he was legit. When I say sitting 94. Every single pitch was 94. It was like I saw the entire time I saw him in his two innings, I believe he threw, not every pitch is on the video, but he threw 193 and he threw a couple of 95s. That was it. Like it was literally 94, 94, 94, and he was locating 94 with intent 
And, com- you know, compared to Instructs, when, you know, doing all my scout calls, it was 91 to 93 sit, touch 96. So, you know, he'd get a few 94s, but for him to sit 94, just those six months of being, you know, in a team facility, getting on those training programs, making the mechanical adjustments, that's a huge jump. And it's been impressive to see just what he's grown in six months. It's really and, impressive. And we're, we're talking about an 18-year-old. Just so turned 18. Just, February. Just, just turned 18. Um, I had a, a Padres official ask me the interesting question, which you hear this a lot when you have a guy like eight, you know, 18 or your international player or something. It's like, okay, let's say that he plops into the 2017 draft. Where does he go? And the reality of it is, is you, you say, okay, 18 year old lefty with a, if you're very conservative, a 60 fastball, but you could easily say a 70 fastball with multiple scouts gave me a 70 on the changeup. Breaking ball is much more iffy right now, you know. But he also has some control and command. He has an idea of what he's doing mechanics with mechanics are clean. Mechanics are clean, all that. And you say, no, that's. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. always easy to say. Like we, it's easy to say he's a top, but he's an easy top ten. Well, hit. when I when I was making my calls about him, even before this, just other international scouts outside the Padres mm-hmm. work, they all said, no, he's on par with a top ten pick in any draft. And I even wrote that in the book. But I would argue that, you know, top 10, I mean, now that's, that's top five. Right. That's, I mean, that's, that's even Brendan higher. McKay is the, the, you know, if you said top lefty pitcher, who's also, he's a hitter. Right. But Brendan McKay probably right now is the top lefty pitcher in this draft class. Brendan McKay's curve, you know, his breaking ball is at a different, you know, is much better than Morehones at this point. I don't, you know, he's three years older also, but it's much better. Same time. Fastball-wise, Morhone is, again, even if you say that he was sitting a little higher because it was a two-inning stint, the fastball definitely has significantly more velocity than McKay. The change-up... I don't know about significantly more, but it's more. I mean, like, he, McKay's like, when McKay at his best is 992, what you're hoping is that he, when he just pitches and throws bullpens, he right. throws harder than that. So. Right, but, but McKay very rarely, you're, you're rarely seeing... Pops 94. Yeah, you're... He does pop 94. Whereas Morhone is this sitting. spring has been sitting 94. Right. No, I, uh, yeah, it's more velocity. You know, it, yeah. it's a great better. So, no, I think I think we're in agreement. I mean, this is a guy who has a chance to be really special. I mean, talking about all the international guys the Padres signed, and as you guys know, when you talk about international prospects, there's a very wide range of opinions on those guys because they're so young, because there's so much projection left, even more than domestic high schoolers. And Morahone, it was unanimous. I couldn't find anyone who was like, eh, they were like, no, he's really good. It's just a matter of, you know, the, the comes is he Max Freed really good or Julio Urias very good? There's there's obviously a degree there, but they're both really good. Well, the other thing that stands out is is you you want to see these guys when you sign a guy, you want to, there's some to me one of the things that does stand out like Lucas Ursig having a great spring on top of the great first stint he had in pro ball last year. I was having this conversation in Arizona with a couple of, uh, you know, with a pro scouting director and a couple of pro scouts at different times. It's like, it is amazing how much you do know. Like, that first, by the end of spring training for a guy who signed out of the draft last year or a July 2 guy, you know something. You know, you don't know as much as you want to know. But like with a draft guy, like Lucas Ersic, we can confidently now say with Lucas Ersic, you can't say he's an absolute slam dunk guy or anything like that. This guy... You know, he was a second-round pick who hit 302? 305. 305 last year in a league where hitting 305 does not... Is, in the, NAIA. NAIA. That's what I need to say. Yeah. But at the same time, the Brewers know a lot more about Lucas Ursic now than they did when they drafted him. And everything, right. all indications are... It's a good what they know. It's, it's very yeah, good. Yeah, exactly. The more they know, it's really you, been very good. You take these Padres... July 2 guys, the international guys they signed. They knew after instructs, we've got to have two AZL teams because we've got too many guys who are ready. Again, that's a significant step. To have all these guys who you're saying, we're bringing them over to the States, they're not going to play in the DSL their first year. That's significant right there. But then to come out in spring training, they've seen that Almanzar can play at the high A level against high A guys and hasn't been overmatched at one point. He was 7 for 11 in a stretch, playing against guys who legitimately are three years older than him, most of them. When they can see that Gabriel Arias is 
playing and holding his own very well, looks very much at the level when he's playing against low-A guys. And when I say low-A guys, I'm talking about he's faced Juan Hillman and Brady Aiken. Right, but, but the tools are the tools, but where you can't get carried away, in my opinion, do it over 100 games. No, uh, good. That, but, but so we, you're getting a little carried no, away no, with... What, what I'm saying, though, is, is that... Holding your own for a week is not the same oh, absolutely. as holding your own for 100 games. The grind is the grind. Absolutely. That's what separates all these guys, and that's why it's... It's exciting, but is a little. You got to temper your enthusiasm a little bit. Over, let's see, dudes, do it for a hundred games. But, but the hard is what makes it good. Let's right, see them but, do the hard part. But at the same time, and these guys aren't going to get to do that this year because none of these guys right. are going to low eight or anything like that. But at the same time, when you see those guys, they knew the reason they got signed was the tools. The skills are further advanced than anyone expected. Then you see a guy like Jordy Barley, another one of their July 2 guys. And when they signed him, the question was, okay, you know he can run. He's quick twitch. He's got a really good arm. He's an infielder. But now, in just the span of essentially now the seven, eight months since he signed, he's showing pop. He's showing power. He didn't. There was thought that he had some of that. But again, what you are talking about that, you're right. You can't go too crazy. They're ninth in our top in our talent range. I'm saying the same thing for Ursag though too. I'm just saying like anybody having a great spring, you do know more. I'm excited to know more about all these guys, but I don't, I don't, I don't make the leap that you're making. On we know that he's ready to go. I'm, I mean, like I, I'm, I am fine to be a little late on guys because I do want more information. I do want more data, and I want to see a guy do it I, I think in a full I th- season. I think for me, you know, just keeping a track on what's happening, I think some of it's a case-by-case. Like, it is notable to me that, okay, Morahone was sitting 91-93. He's now sitting 94. Clearly there's a leap there that's been a progress that you want to see. He's further as and further a, away from being abused as a 15-year-old by the <laughs> Cuban national team, which is true. You know, and the other one that, that really interested me just a little bit was, you know, Gabriel Arias... So when he signed, it was, this guy's a great defender. We love the glove. We love, you know, all the actions. That's what he's best at. You know, the bat, we'll see. And then already in six months of development, you've seen the progress. And, you know, just watching the video of the swing, it's like, that doesn't look like the swing of a, you know, toolsy, no-hit middle infielder. That's a that's a real live swing. And so it's just a matter of, does, does, this does not mean Gabriel Arias is all of a sudden a 65-grade player who's going to be a superstar, but it means, okay, there's... The progress you want to see made has been made in a relatively short time. I would say it's encouraging, and it makes and my the, eyebrows and go. Hmm. And that's and again, that's where I'm. Yeah, they're they're glimpses, but it. What I would say is is the Padres' trend line of where I expect them to go. I knew they spent so much money internationally. They should be really good at the lower levels. I will say this: when you talk to scouts for other teams mm-hmm. who have seen them this spring. Solomon instructs last year and seen him again this spring. And they say, this is rare. We don't, like, these are guys who see, you know, these this level guy. And right. they're like, these guys are better than usually what I see these guys at this point. I'll just say that the last time I remember somebody saying that was about, it was a scout that we all know who was extremely respected, who said the same thing about the Phillies at instructs and in spring training. And it was all a lot of guys that didn't work out. It was Brody Colvin. It was Jawan James. It was that crew mm-hmm. of Phillies, and they're just so far away. And those guys were advanced with their tools, and some of them were advanced with their skills. So I'm encouraged by the Padres. I think that's the right word. And they, they sound like they are more robust and more skilled than even they thought, which is really awesome. But, but they're all 18-year-olds going 16, to extend. 16, 17, and some 18. So I, right. I and, and even their pitchers. Their pitchers, like you see pitcher after pitcher, we're not, we've got open-day rosters issues coming out. I'm not expecting to see most of those guys. The plan for most of those pitchers is check back in May. Like, we're, like we, it's very probable that we're not going to see Mason Thompson or Cal Quantrill or Reggie Lawson. Cal Quantrill, not in full season ball? Well, they, they may, they, the, there is a very high likelihood because none of those guys are going to be able to throw 150 innings this year. They're not coming off of what they did. None of them are. And so their plan, from what my conversations and all, 
is more of why would you handle Cal Quantum the, the same well, way you handle well, what, they, what they what they did well what, no, 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 what, what they're they, not going to set him the same level when he's done but they're they're I, I didn't say that so handle them the same well, way Quantrill so because what the, like Jacob Nix last year was at Fort Wayne for a full season but he threw hundred five they were able to really keep it to you know mm-hmm. five inning stints I think that's what we're seeing more like with Quantrill but I agree that Thompson Lawson Morahone these yeah. guys are going to be an extended and then, maybe short season maybe. Oh, Fort you're going to see some of those in Fort Wayne, right? But, but, but they're, they're not going to show up in Fort Wayne starting. tonight. They're not. They're gonna, I, I would. I would say a lot of those guys. I don't think we're going to see them until June or July. But there, a, a conversation with Mark Pryor, their pitching coordinator, also said, and I, this will be up this week too. I got a lot of stuff I got to write. <laughs> he he said one thing that I'm that I'm very strong about is is you need to challenge guys. And it's funny. I kept hearing this from different teams. Like there was a lot of talk of, you know what? push a guy and see where he can handle level. And especially with pitchers. I, that's one of the things that's interesting to me with Cal Quantrill. Just from a standpoint of where do you send that guy? Yeah. You send Cal Quantrill to high A even, and Cal Quantrill's changeup, unless you basically, or his changeups, I should say. Well, he did get hammered in low A. Right. Hammered. I know. It's a small, small it's a very, sample. It was like three starts? Something, but Two. it was all like Two. 20 Two. hits. But... Twelve hits and four and two thirds innings. Right, but so but what I'm saying is, is if you, with a guy like that, his changeup should allow him to basically. It's almost going to be. De- it could be detrimental to him at the A level, where if he's not very, if they're not, and he's not very particular about it, because what Cal Quantrill needs to do is get innings. Everyone needs to improve it's command, fastball command, yeah. and but more than anything, he's got a slider and a curveball. Is either one of them going to develop into we see, a... We, and we saw the flashes of the slider getting to above average toward the end of last year. But, but he's got to develop. He's right, right now the, not consistent The consistency is not there. And that's where we'll... But, I, I think but I'm saying, like, that's to me... If he's Hol- not, Holby in Fort Wayne, maybe... Else, someone told me that they're considering pushing him to Elsinore. I still... All my conversations during the offseason were, we're going to start him in Fort Wayne... Now, if, See, if, think, if he showed up Elsinore, in spring training, I think and Elsinore he really makes killed. sense from a weather standpoint more than anything else. Not from, and that, weather, and that, and that's, not from a level, but just a, but just in the weather. If you that, want to, and he's older, so right? I, and, and that was the talk, as you know, we, we, we're, we're, we're planning as of the phone calls in November, Fort Wayne. If he shows up in spring training and does really well, Elsinore is a possibility. But but at the end of the day, I think we all agree that the Potters have a lot of really low-level talented prospects. It's cool to see them, and now it's a matter of, okay, now let's develop them because, you know, part of the reason we have them ninth in the org talent rankings and part of the reason, you know, hey, Michael Geddes is ranked ahead of all these guys because guess what? Michael Geddes, who's only a year older than some of them, you know, 19 could turn 20 yeah. last year, just raked in high A, which is a whole different ballgame than looking really good in instructs. Right. Again, a lot of these guys we're talking about have yet to play the, the, the July 2 guys, none of them have played their first official game yet. Right. And so there is something where they're all ticketed to extended. I wouldn't be shocked if you ended up seeing Almanzar play up above the AZL before the year's over because he's looked that good. But that is something where you are talking, these guys are a long ways away. That said, it was something where if you said to me, what are the conversations of scouts from other teams that they bring up with you when you're out there, one of the things that stands out is, is everyone's like, in Arizona, one of the stories of Springs is, wow, in the backfields, these really young, really young arms and, and, and position players especially are standing out in a way that we didn't expect to see. That's a that, that's a good way. I, mean, I don't know if we could just sum it up. We've got a lot. Uh, we've we've been talking for fifty two minutes, so we, we might want to wrap up the podcast. I did want to ask, like, just you know, you guys could probably talk Padres the whole time, but um, I am very intrigued by just the idea of um, you know the backfields and just how much fun backfields are, and um, you know, there's so much about the commercialism of spring training that turns me off when you go like the big league games, how much they cost, that kind of stuff, but. If you're listening to this podcast, you're already interested in baseball the way we do it. I would, I mean, if you haven't been to a spring training backfields game, I mean, what are you waiting for? That's the way to go see it's, spring training for me. It's so good in so many ways. Um, really, the best ways our schedule is to go to games on days that the big league club's not there at the same time. I managed to actually work that out that somehow I never, I never saw a big league spring training game while I was in Arizona for eight days, and I never ended up at a ballpark that was hosting a big league game hmm. at the time that I was doing the backfields, which worked out really well. But it's 
Okay, start off, it's free. So when you talk about commercialism, there is no, now the only thing that pays, like if you go to like Padres Mariners camp, they have concession stands. Right. Like, do understand, this is a, you are going to go back to the roots of baseball. Don't expect to get your program. Don't expect right. to know who the players are maybe because only half the teams put names on the back of their units. And, and all the announcements are made by a man in a, in a hat who's got a, like, a, like one of those uh, cheerleaders. I, I do think part of, the, part of the complication is, you know, those games, it's not broadcasted who's playing where, when, and what time to the general public a lot of times. It is available, though, now, like spring training schedules are, like you can actually get them online for the minor league side. Like, um, at least a lot of them are on a lot of them tweeted out, not no, well, all of them, but a lot of teams do tweet. Follow out. Brewers PD, yes, that's that the is best. the best player development Twitter. And it's not the gap between them and second best, there's uh, is an infinite gap. I yeah. mean, because they they tweet out, here's our lineups for today, here's who's pitching, here's who's pitching tomorrow if you want to plan ahead, all that. But again, the other thing about it is, is usually you are seeing two to sometimes three games going on at the same time. There is no downtime. The real problem you often have is there's too much good stuff going on. There was the one that struck me, we talked about more home, is everyone's watching more home. And Mason Thompson, who's an outstanding pitching prospect, a guy you want to watch, is pitching on the other field and He's pitching to no scouts, you know, like he's got his fan, you know, the, the, the players are there and all that have to chart and all that. But all the scouts, all the Padres front office side is over watching, you know, more a home pitch. Mason Thompson's pitch is like, in any other situation, everyone would be here for more a home. Or like another day, you're sitting there, it's like, okay, this is Walker Bueller versus Luis Castillo. I'm going to see 99 pretty regularly. Hmm. And then over here hmm. on another field, you're having other guys who are worth watching. There's... The thing on the backfields is is there's more going on than you could watch, which is a pretty fun experience to have. A little overwhelming sometimes. Oh, <laughs> it's it, it addles my brain at times because it's like I always feel like if there's four games going on, which does happen at times, I know I'm missing something. Right. And it's like, well, you got to focus on what you're seeing, not what I'm missing. But I focus on what I'm missing. It's like uh, I'm I'm having. It's like you're. Yeah, I'll give an old Aaron Fit reference. It was like basically you've ordered your meal and you always have the, you know, the, oh, the I should have ordered yeah, that. Buyer's remorse. You know. Absolutely. Yeah, you do have that a lot in spring trading on the backfields. Oh, uh, even choosing where you're going to go that yeah, yeah. day. And it's like, like the last day. And I, that was the one day where I was completely free. Like it was like my writing is done. It's just let me pick a good matchup to go to. And I'm talking with Bill Mitchell, our photographer, who is the dean of Arizona, who knows everyone. You know, it basically, so where are you going, Bill? And he was going to Dodgers Reds because he wanted to see Vladimir Gutierrez. And there was a couple of Dodgers. But I think just uh, Jordan Sheffield was pitching that day, too. Pretty good matchup. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to Dodgers Reds, but I'm going to go see Walker Bueller versus Luis Castillo. And I'm going, you know, so he was going to Camelback and I was going to Goodyear. And even just then, of which Dodgers Reds game yeah, do you want to go to was a really, but I got to see Senzel also and all that. So it worked out well for me. So if you have a prospect handbook, if you ever have ordered a prospect handbook, what you need to do is go to the backfields. Uh, that's where it's at. And then the next uh, stop for all of us, uh, NHSI high school tournament this week, but then opening days and for the minor leagues is what? April 6th. Major leagues is April 2nd. A week and a half, uh, Yeah, next Thursday for minor leagues and Sunday for major leagues. That's pretty cute. So we'll have some games here in the rainy uh, but warm North Cackalack uh, that you could follow us all about, and we'll be writing all about it and talking all about it and probably podcasting about it. So the World Baseball Classic almost got us through to the start of the real season, and uh, we're very excited close about enough. that. So close enough. It really enough is. is right. so I feel like it's just on the you know the edge now. So It's, it's just over the horizon. So uh, for Kyle and JJ, I'm John. We want to thank you for tuning in to the Baseball America podcast. Our podcast and Facebook Lives are sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. If you are a baseball fan, you need to check out Baseballism.com or visit their retail locations in Cooperstown, New York, and Scottsdale, Arizona. Visit Baseballism.com and enter the code BA2017 to save 20% off. For those guys, I'm this guy. We'll see you on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.